Hey everyone, this is Dave Cruz from Flyber Labs, a podcast on business and innovation in the Midwest and beyond. Here you'll meet fascinating people and learn about new technologies and practices that will change how you look at life and business. Enjoy. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Flyver Labs, and as always, this is Dave Cruz, and this podcast is part of our new series on all things blockchain called Flyover Block, and today we get to talk to Beryl Lee, CEO and founder of CapChain X, and CapChain X is a crypto equity platform. That means you can sell equity in an entity or asset that is recorded on the blockchain through equity tokens, which we'll learn more about for sure. So that, to me, this feels like the future of how equity will be sold, recorded, and traded, and in some ways could be the, the new IPO. So I'm excited to learn more about it and about Barrel. So Barrel, thanks for coming on the show today. Yes, uh, thank you for inviting me. Definitely. And uh, and so Barrel's actually over in the Philippines, so uh, we'll see how the internet holds up. So this this will be that'll also be part of the exciting uh, feature of this uh, podcast. <laughs> Sometimes it's hit and miss. <laughs> so this is good. Um, all right, so I'd love to hear about your background, but before we do, can you just kind of give us an overview on Capture Next, just so the audience understands it better than how I explained it. <laughs> Of course, yes. Um, so Capturing Next is the world's first crypto equity platform. So it allows companies to create, manage, and trade equity-backed tokens on the Ethereum blockchain. So our focus is creating uh, fundamentally sustainable tokens that are asset-backed. Um, our main service is providing an end-to-end IPO solution by providing our technology in a white paper excerpt you know, uh, with a standardized approach. So um, we help structure the token economics of the of the um of the pre-sale and the sale. Um, so we provide three smart contracts, the ERC-20 uh, contract, the pre-sale and the sale smart contract. So um, if uh, the client is out of the UK and EU, we also help. Uh, we also um, share our uh, legal memorandum, uh, which is uh, provided by DLA Piper. Uh, we do have um, a network of, uh, of uh, lawyers and um, marketing firms as well. And um, we, you know, um, if it's requested by the client, we also introduce them. Um, and, um, yeah, so we highly recommend our clients to, to, uh, to work with, um, uh, a, a legal, uh, a legal firm and, um, a, a proper PR company. Okay, great. And we'll, we'll, we'll walk through that kind of on a, hopefully in a case study, like how, how it worked. But, um, before we do, can, I'm curious how you came up with the idea and, and then uh, with that, maybe your background, cause you have a pretty interesting background. If you could share that. All right. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, so let me, uh, so um, Captain X started uh, when, um, so I was doing um, a thesis back at Cambridge University on, um, you know, the blockchain. But before that, um, I was, so I was working in uh, venture capital um, back in Shanghai. Uh, we were looking into very early, early stage tech companies across China and Southeast Asia. Um, and um, on top of that, we were looking into uh, launching the first um, crowdfunding platform uh, back in Shanghai. Um, and then after that, I was actually writing about uh, startup ecosystems around the world um, with the World Startup Report. And um, from there, uh, the Department of ICT in the Philippines um, and, uh, you know, the members of the, uh, the tech community um, asked me uh, to to write the uh, Philippine roadmap for digital startups um, to push, you know, entrepreneurship um, in the Philippines. So while I was writing that, um, 
I was uh, entrepreneur investment at Coins.ph. So um, it was uh, um, so we use you know Bitcoin as infla- infrastructure to actually move funds. Um, so we were in uh, relationships and payments, and so that's how I actually uh, got into you know the blockchain technology and um, and believed in its potential. So um, after that, um, I decided to do math and finance, and um, I did that in uh, Cambridge University, where um, in one of the terms I I've written. Um, um, a thesis um, under uh, a really good supervisor, uh, Jack Lang, who was um, who's uh, co-founder of Raspberry Pi. So he used to have a brokerage firm, which he sold to um, iShares um, in the in in the early 1990s. So um, so he was very supportive of um, the idea of you know a secondary market on the blockchain. And so um, my research was very much focused on you know um, how do we enable that liquidity. Um, I did um, several interviews, um, over um, 75 interviews um, wow. amongst like entrepreneurs, um, doctors, um, and there's really a need for you know um, uh, you know a secondary market. Um, you could see that uh, equity crowdfunding has been exponentially increasing um, in terms of like transactions and volume um, year, year year after year. And so um, it was very interesting because um, I remembered when I was actually in, um, when I was with Seed Asia back in Shanghai, um, a lot of the, you know, bite-sized investors who wanted to put in a very small amount, um, they were asking, how do I exit, right? Um, if I just want to actually invest uh, 1000 to $5,000 US dollars of investment, um, how long will I keep that investment for? Um, where do I actually, um, you know, is there a secondary market? where I could actually just transfer that. And then in that research, I've also um, looked into the average, um, you know, um, an alternative way of uh, selling these private um, private equity and uh, that through private placements, right? And um, these private placement uh, firms, um, they normally charge an average of um, 7%, mm. you know, um, huge fee. Um, and um, through the blockchain, I believe that you could actually save on costs um, by eliminating, you know, a lot of these uh, uh, middle office fees, um, so it was very interesting. So, so at that time, you know, um, because of my uh, my experience with uh, Bitcoin, the blockchain, I wanted to, you know, uh, put all that together. And so it just makes sense that, um, you know, um, that tokenization was uh, was, you know, valuable um, in the secondary market. Right. And true enough, um, a year after, um, two years after, um, you know, the tokenization market started like picking up, you know, um, uh, um, you know, the Ethereum platform. Um, so last year, last Christmas, um, last December, you know, year was about like seven, eight, you know, dollars. Right after the Dow, um, people were, um, you know, um, the sentiment was a little bit, um, um, wasn't there like pessimistic? Um, so after the thesis um, that I've uh, actually created, um, you know, um, people questioned really um, would ask, would private companies actually uh, create tokens, right, and circulate them to actually raise funding? You know, yeah. um, it was a bit of a blur. <laughs> but, um, you know, actually a need for um, um, for that. Uh, for that secondary market or for private companies to easily raise funds. Um, so right after I written that thesis, um, I've uh, I went to the Bay Area, caught up with like uh, some friends, 
And um, yeah, so I met my co-founder, uh, my technical co-founder, uh, Max, who was uh, building. So he just uh, finished his uh, master's in computer science back in Stanford. And then um, he was already building a um, um, an order book system, right, for um, yeah, to uh, for a gambling platform on the Ethereum blockchain. And so that order book system was actually um, what's needed for this uh, decentralized exchange that we wanted to do, right, for the secondary market and that tokenization um, idea, right. And then um, from there, uh, that's how we uh, that's how you know Capturing Next started. Okay. Um, and then I had some friends okay. back in Cambridge who were very supportive and excited. And so we decided to uh, work together okay. um, on the idea. Okay. And of course, the idea has actually like, changed over time, uh, you know, um, as we worked on it. And so it's evolved to catching next today. And awesome. All right. Awesome. All right. Okay, Martin, you have a, a nice okay. Oh. I'm getting a little feedback. I wonder. Uh, oh, there. That's good. All right. And uh, so I was wondering... Uh, yeah, you know, can you just explain the difference between an asset-backed like token versus equity? Because a lot of the ICOs are now asset kind of focused. Um, can you uh, explain the difference? Right. So, um, so there are two kinds of tokens that you know are uh, you know um, when they when companies want to launch an ICO, they're called utility tokens or a security token, right? So um, there's no clear definition of what uh, what a utility token is or what a uh, what a security token is, right? But from my understanding, a utility token would be um, um, a token that is uh, discounted. So, for example, um, their product or their service is $100, right? Um, so they're selling tokens um, that is, for example, uh, 50% off, so $50, right? And so um, they need to use this token to be able to uh, purchase purchase uh, the product or um, purchase that service, right? Uh, which is a hundred dollars. And so um, that's how I understand what a utility token is for. Okay. Um, but the caveat there is uh, the value. The you know it's really hard to value uh, the the price of that service because usually um, companies do not have the existing product yet, right? And also the price of that utility token, um, the the potential would only be up to the price of uh, that service. So if it's a hundred dollars, then you know the price of that token should be within that range. You know, a hundred, maybe a hundred ten, you know, maybe ninety, right? But um, the market um, is expecting um, exponential increase, and that's when um, um, that's where Captionex believes that the token should actually back uh, should be backed by um, equity, right? Because um, um, that would be, you know, the intellectual property of that company. You know, um, they want to be invested in the team that's building the product, right? Um, they probably want, um, you know, uh, claim to claim to the asset or claim to uh, revenue potential revenue um, growth, right? And so. Um, and so we uh, we highly recommend um, our clients to see that token that we create within Capchain um, by backing it with equity as a uh, security. Great. Okay. So treat it. Yes, no, that makes sense. And 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 can you walk us through kind of a a case study? And you can I mean 
I, I think you have one up or you know, you talk about on your website with the um, Elpis, but you can, if there's another one too, you could choose. But, you know, I'm curious if, if I wanted to come to you and say, Hey, I want to, you know, do a, an, an ICO with you guys with, you know, backed by equity. Yeah. So I'm happy to walk you through. Um, so at the moment in CapChain, uh, we do have clients and then uh, some of our clients, uh, we keep, we keep that private, right. Uh, yeah. Privately. So, um, yes, of course, um, I'll walk you through how um, from um, from the time that we engage a client. Um, so once we choose to engage a client, uh, we actually request for uh, documentation such as, you know, the articles of incorporation, the bylaw of the of the company. And then uh, we send in the a questionnaire. Right. Um, that actually includes um, this helps of catching X uh, do the token um, economics. Right. Such as how much are they willing to, um, how much are they targeting, right? Um, in terms of like racing, how much equity are they willing to give up? Um, how many authorized shares do they have? Um, you know, like these questions. And then um, from there, we write um, a white paper excerpt, right? Um, so it contains the distribution of the token. Um, an example would be, okay, 20% for the team, 80% would be for the token sale. And then, um, you know, we do a little bit of the, um, based on the, on the answers on the, the questionnaire, uh, we put in the implied valuation of the client and, um, you know, the, the ratio of how much the, the token can actually redeem for shares, right? Uh, we actually include as well, uh, what should be included on the VOD agreement, uh, which the client will, uh, will prepare. Right. So the the BOD agreement contains three points. Um, the first one is uh, the emission of the token. And the second one is the um, exchangeability or the redemption of a token for a share. Right. So the ratio will be um, computed uh, in that uh, in that white paper excerpt. Um, and then the third point is uh, destruction of token upon redemption of share. Right. Um, the white paper also includes the the supply um, of the tokens itself. So, for example, they want to um, allocate 20% of equity, then um, that's 20 million uh, tokens. And then what is the ratio of, uh, you know, this 20 million tokens and the, the, um, the number of uh, authorized shares, right? Like that, that particular ratio when they start redeeming it. Uh, what is the criteria? Uh, of uh, token holder to be, you know, uh, a shareholder um, in the future, right? When they want to redeem the share, right? Upon redemption, um, we also include the um, uh, the economics of their pre-sale and sale. So within Catching X, we have three uh, three smart contracts, right? Um, I think I've mentioned that earlier. One is the ERC twenty, which is uh, which is a token built on the Ethereum blockchain, and the second one is the pre-sale contract. The pre-sale contract, um, the standard that we have, we it contains five discount rates, right? So normally a client would want to uh, provide the first two discount rates uh, to their private investors, and then they uh, offer, um, you know, the other three, the next three discount rates to, um, you know, um, to their network of uh, investors, and then um, the sale contract, um, we do it very differently within CashNex. It uh, follows a, a, a Dutch auction, um, some sort of like Dutch auction, wherein um, the price of the 
slogans um, goes up. Uh, so goes up by um, depending on volume and also you know time, right? Um, so it's a geometric. Uh, we use a ge- geometric ratio that goes up by a ge- geometric sequence. And is, um, it, and is that is that works that in, until all the tokens are it, the price goes up and down depending upon the demand essentially. Like you can give an example of kind of how a Dutch auction might work. With the, yeah, so it's, yeah. I would say like it's a semi um, Dutch auction because um, the price of the token does not go down during the sale period. Okay. Um, it just goes up depending on like the volume. Um, yeah, so we create those like smart contracts wherein um, you actually purchase a token with Ether, right? And then the smart contract automatically, um, you know, distributes the equivalent amount of uh, token uh, to the buyer. So we explain all of that the, uh, in the white paper. Um, and then, of course, we also include um, the distribution of funds once they receive uh, yeah, the Ether. Okay. Interesting. That was great. That, yeah. And, and do you guys uh, publish your fees or like what, what you guys charge, um, you know, to help a company do this? Yeah. So uh, what happens is uh, we usually uh, we charge uh, uh, we charge cash up front and also um, a commission charges on the sale. Okay. And what what commission charge or is that just a, is that case by case? How much you charge? By case basis. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, so and I know you don't give any legal advice, you know, as far as like securities laws. Um, <laughs> but I was curious, have you? But but I'll ask anyways. Is that in the in the United States? Do you have since that's where we're located? Do you have any sense of you know what it would take to do to work with you guys without having to do like a massive you know kind of IPO? You know, could a smaller startup somehow work with you guys? Um, you know, if there's some some securities laws that has some exemptions for smaller companies or with accredited investors or. It's fine if you don't know. <laughs> I was just curious if you've uh, run across this. <laughs> yeah, so um, at the moment, um, a lot of our uh, our clients are actually um, incorporated out of uh, Gibraltar or, okay. um, you know, outside. Right. Um, and when our clients start raising funds, they usually um, exclude U.S. nationals. Okay. <laughs> uh, All right. Fair enough. But, but in, um, for example, well, I, I could speak of the UK. Um, so we highly, um, if they choose um, an, a security exemption, an example would be um, only accepting accredited investors or um, high net worth individuals, right? And if they do, um, they need to um, look into uh, what they have the KYC for and AML. So they need to um, collect certain documents to prove that, that certain net worth of that individual is their um, high net worth or not and which uh, national, uh, which citizen, um, they're from. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. So if I wanted to raise, if I'm in the United States and I wanted to raise money with you guys, uh, we, we actually had somebody on from a Gibraltar here too, uh, an attorney. And so we learned a little bit about that. So it, essentially just no investor could be, if we go to the UK, we just have to, all investors have to be located in the UK, even though we might be located in the United States. Is that essentially how it work could work if we wanted to 
um, go that route. Yes. Sorry, I, I, actually, can you repeat that question? Sure. Yeah, I'm wondering. So let's say a company is located in the United States and like, oh, we want to work with Capchain X. Um, uh-huh. And we have a lot of investor, potential investors in the UK. Um, mm-hmm. do, they, do, do they have to be go locate in the UK or could they just uh, um, just as long as they work with UK investors, would they be OK um, as far as like security regulations? Does that make sense? Um, yes, yes, of course. Um, I think at this point, right, I would really highly recommend, um, you know, the startup to really work with a uh, with a law firm, right? Yeah, um, <laughs> but um, they really need to look at the loss of uh, the the jurisdiction of that investor, right? Um, you need to look okay. at um, that the you know um, you know the qualifications to be um, considered high net worth, right? Um, so in various jurisdictions, there are various, um, you know, very different, um, um, rules. Right. And so I think it's very important at this time. We, we usually like, um, provide that legal memorandum, um, that DLA Piper has actually written with us, which actually contains all that, um, exemption. But, um, coming from the U.S., um, you know, we would really, really highly recommend that they work uh, with a legal, uh, with a legal counsel. So, um, we as Caching X is a, a technology provider, right? Yeah. So, uh, we help companies, um, you know, we provide that technology so that companies can actually issue, you know, uh, their tokens and then, um, and it's up to them how they want to distribute it, right? Um, and to be able to distribute, distribute it without, um, without, you know, infringing, uh, you know, Laws of that particular country, it is really highly com- recommended that they really work with um, with um, a law firm who really understands security law. Because um, I think quite recently there's um, a crackdown, um, you know, um, if you do it improperly, right? Yeah. Um, a huge cost. Yeah, makes sense. And uh, and how is so? If somebody works with you, how would uh, like the trading work? You know, you do the initial kind of ICO, and then after that, you know, do, does your platform support uh, trading of the of those tokens if somebody wanted to trade it with another investor? Right. So at the moment, uh, we haven't launched, um, you know, our products, which is uh, you know like a wallet or an exchange on the pipeline. So um, we highly recommend um, third party uh, wallet, an example. Um, there are plenty of um, ERC20 compatible uh, wallets out there. Yep. Um, there are also secondary markets um, that uh, the ERC20 uh, token, right? Um, an example would be Ether Delta. Um, they can look into Binance, right? Um, for wallets, uh, my Ether wallet is uh, is a good wallet, um, and then we would highly recommend um, using it together with you know like MetaMask or Ledger, right? Um, to make sure it's secure. Um. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. Okay. Great. Let's see. And I think we're just about out of time. So, uh, one question that I always like like to ask at the end is, uh, what you like to do uh, in your spare time when you're not uh, working on Cap Chain X? Do you like to? Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if anything, <laughs> read, eat, exercise. <laughs> I don't know. I do a lot of yoga. Oh, like, like recently. Oh, oh cool. Nice. How often yeah, do you, a lot of yoga. How often do you do yoga? Um, I try to, 
Sorry? Or how often do you do uh, yoga? Oh, I try to do it every day. Oh, wow. Um, if things, then um, I'll do it every day. Yeah. Cool. Um, but during the holidays, you know, um, I think uh, I see myself eating more. <laughs> yeah. Like food, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I'm with you there. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, Beryl, this is awesome. So I think we're at the end, but this is really interesting to hear about Capchain X and what you guys are doing. And yeah, you have a great background for this. So excited that you guys are making this happen because it just, yeah, like I said, it seems like the future of equity investments. So yeah, thanks for sharing your story. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, Dave. Definitely. And, and thanks everyone for listening to another episode of a uh, flyer block and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye everyone. Bye, Beryl.